Bill, just like to get you to address the sad news of the passing of, of Brian Christopher Lawler this week. Um, you knew him since a child. Yeah, my daughter used to babysit him and his baby brother Kevin. But that's a whole other story. Now, here, here's the thing. You, my phone has rung off the wall, just like I'm sure a lot of people that wanting to talk about BC. Well, here is the thing. We all have demons. He had a few. I have a few. But I can tell the whole world this. And all the years since I've known him, Brian Christopher and I never had a really a bad word or never do a fight, never did nothing stupid. And he never did nothing stupid to me. So I can tell you this. I like Brian Christopher Lawler. And he was always respectful and nice to me. So what he did to other people. And if he thought you was a goof, he would tell you you was a goof. And I will too. And most of the people that he butted heads with, he thought they were goofs. And that's up to him. So, BC, you'll be missed by me. I don't know about the rest to the boys in the wrestling business, but Bill Dundee will miss you, pal, and I'll see you down the road somewhere. Bill, like talk about when uh, Jerry Jarrett uh, took the USWA to Dallas, kind of combined working both sides of the territory. Looks like uh, the dirty white boy won a tournament to win the Southern title, and for the next 10, 11 months that Jarrett was involved with USWA in Dallas, you and John Tatum swapped the belt back and forth. Well, Hollywood John Tatum was a hell of a work, and he was over in Dallas, so I mean, that's what you do. You take, if you take a territory over, wherever you are, you, you, you go with your biggest gun, and Hollywood John Tatum had the belt when we got there, and he, he drew money, so what, what that, that, that's the name of the game. Winning and losing has nothing to do with it. That's how much money can you draw, or how much money can you make, and that Jerry Jarrett was good at thinking that way. How'd you like working the Dallas territory? Well, I like work. They're no, they're no different. I mean, if if you wrestle, we're wrestlers. There's, there's no different. I mean, if you're a swimmer, whether the swimming pool's in Australia or in Alaska, you're still swimming. So, wrestling to me, you get in a ring and you wrestle. So, I didn't mind it at all. Now, the promoters can be a little dicky sometimes, but Jarrett was running it just like he run Memphis. Nothing changed. N nothing changed. Looks like uh, around the uh, summer of 90, uh, they USWA and world-class split and brought the belt back to, to Memphis. And it looked like an odd name for me. Dick Slater popped up for no rhyme or reason and, and disappeared as quickly as he appeared with the belt. How'd that work out? I really don't. I'm like you. I don't. He, he, he seemed at a place there, didn't he? Yeah. And, uh, but I like it lasted for about a month and... Right, so he probably got pissed off at somebody, or who, who knows? But it would happen in the good old days. People would come in, stay a little while, don't like it, and they'd leave. And that was about the time Jeff Jarrett was coming into his own and pretty much had the belt and swapping it back with Eddie Gilbert and Tom Pritchard. Were you booking that? or No, Jerry Jarrett. Okay. No, we'd be helping. Lola helped too, so I mean, we all kind of knew what was going on, but so who knows? And uh, for the next year, you and Eric Embry were swapping the belt back and forth. How'd you like working with Eric? Eric was a good worker. He, he was just, he, well, I guess we all have an ego and we all can be egomaniacs at the 
same time. So I mean, not you, not me, no. <laughs> but I had a lot to have ego about. I was cute. <laughs> George Barnett said. Right, one time he said, Bill Dundee was the best looking guy in the wrestling business. Not big and muscular, just a pretty guy. <laughs> Should have went to Hollywood. Should have would have, right? Yeah. Another one that seemed out of place after you and you and uh, Eric had your run was uh, Dr. Death. Steve Williams Steve came Williams. in for like Ooh, a, a week or two. It just it was well, not as fast as it got here. That was probably when Watts and Jarrett were talking about switch, switching talent so they would send some guys in just to get their feet wet and see what happened. And then uh, uh, Brian Christopher and Tom Pritchard back and forth for, for quite a while. That was probably a, a, a good matchup of, of uh, on the mic, don't you think? Right. Tom Pritchard and very good. And, and BC was just young then too, so I mean, Tom had been around a little longer than him, but yeah, and they worked hard and were both students of the business and liked it. Of course, uh, Brian and Doug Gilbert, that was an interesting matchup too for me, uh, back and forth on the mic. Well, yeah, it depends on how you're looking at all that. I mean, now I understand what you're saying, but I don't know. I guess because of the... the uh, Undercurrent or the undervive you, you seem right. to feel or pick up, and, right. which may have been in my mind, but it seemed to make it worth a little bit more. Yeah. Now, what, whether the people got that reaction, I don't really know, but and I can't remember if it did fantastic business or or what. But I remember the matches they had, and they could both work, so the matches was good. And uh, you know, uh, we're all familiar with the, the names I'm throwing out for the Memphis. You know, it was the. Uh, the standards of, of, of Brian and Tommy Rich and um, Doug and, and you back and forth, you know, sooner or later. But um, Billy Jack Haynes, again, another one that didn't seem to fit or stay. And... <laughs> yeah, Billy Jack was, he was his own man too, so uh, I don't know what to tell you. And I can't remember who brought him in. Probably Jerry Jarrett. Um, but I got along good with him. He, uh, yeah. I feel like he had the belt for, for maybe a month, but I, I don't remember him being around too much before or after. No, they're just, and, and like you said, they seem like they're oddballs when they bring him in here. I mean, that gimmick he had, Billy Jack Haynes, was like that movie star guy, Billy Jack, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, are you going to take claim for the creation of the title holder that beat Brian Christopher, maybe swapped it for a week? Maybe you know, for a couple months, Rick Hogan. No, are you, are you gonna lay claim to that creation? I, I, I don't even remember Rick Hogan as a wrestler or, or, a, or a person. I, I don't even remember the name. He had a Hulk Hogan type mustache, but kind of playing off the Flair Hogan. I, it was a, it was a laugh for the for so, a couple no, of weeks. I, I'm not okay. taking. No I didn't think you would. To that, so I don't even remember the son of a gun. Yeah. I didn't think you were gonna take that one. And it, you know, it finished up. Wolfie D got a chance at it, and uh, Billy Travis and Spellbinder. But uh, one of the last champions was actually Doomsday. Uh, Glenn Jacobs, Kane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was, yeah I'm with the last yeah, spurt there. Jacobs. Yeah. He was a big old boy too. Yes, he was, and uh, he was the uh, was a Christmas creature. Yeah. Uh, 
I know I know you came from the back to watch all of those matches. <laughs> I said Christmas Creature and the Monsters and Frankenstein. Oh God! So Lala loved all them <laughs> gimmicks. I mean, he, uh, if you had a monster to your name, you could get booked in tennis. See when Lala was the booker. And there was no confusion over that it wasn't you. You were, right? <laughs> that that was his style of booking. That was it. All right, if you're all out there and you're looking for a new roof, why don't you give Baker Roofing a call at 901-574-7775. And if you call that number, tell them the superstar told you to call, you'll get 10% off your new roof. We're going to go digging into the uh, Mid-America title. It it's, traces back to Buddy Rogers in 57 out of the Nashville office, but uh, we're going to jump ahead a little bit. I mean, there were some... Of course, Jackie Fargo and Tommy Gilbert, Bob Armstrong, but uh, jumping ahead till around 79, seems like uh, Dutch Mantell, Bobby Eaton, and Chris Colt, an old tag team partner of yours, kind of swapped it back and forth. Yeah. You had a Chris Colt story. Well, yeah, funny story too. So <laughs> Chris and I was a hell of a team, and I'm not saying that just to be saying it. We was. He was a hell of a worker, but we still light it up there or is it stuck? Yeah, no, you're good. So, I mean, Chris Colt and I was a hell of a tag team. And, and he could work, I could work. We got over. So, Chris would like to do a little of this and a little of that. He was one of the guys ahead of his time on that thing. So, Nick comes to him one day and he said, Hey, boy, have you been doing that marijuana pills again? <laughs> So Colt says to him, Nick, if you can find a marijuana pill, I would like to buy some. <laughs> but no, sir, I have not been eating marijuana pills. And Nick said, well, your eyes are all red and bloodshot. He said, but it wasn't do no marijuana pills. He Guaranteed. never told him about smoking the joint. But Chris was, was a, a, a true character outside oh, of the business too, God, wasn't he? Was he ever? He, he was, yeah. And he, he stopped off with that motorbike thing. Remember that in the 50s or the 60s, they had, what the hell was the name of them? Him and, what was the kid's name? Oh, this is awful, can't think of his name. Ronnie Dupree. Him and Ronnie oh, Dupree were like the Hells Angels. Right. And they had a tag team going there. They split up, Chris came here, and I don't know where Ronnie went, but they were a hell of a tag team too. But yeah, Chris Colt was a character. Ooh, mercy. And, and you and him meshed as a tag team. Yeah, we was a pretty good tag team, too. You had an opinion about the uh, Mid-America title. Looks like it went from uh, Kern, Bugsy McGraw, Dream Machine, King Cobra, around 82, Jesse Barr, I'm picking up on your opinion there, Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. What was your opinion of that belt? Well, Dutch Mantel was the one that actually, me and Dutch used to ride up and down the road together. And when I was Dutch in Louisiana, we would talk shit about wrestling business. And, you know, he'd help book things and do this and do that. And he'd say, hey, Bill, don't ever give me that Mid-America belt. I said, you know, you don't want to be the champion. He said, hell no. When you win that, the, ne the next week you're fired. <laughs> so that seemed... Like if you ended up with a Mid-America belt, that was your way out. 
I said, well, okay, that's we want to put the Mid-America belt on you. But by the looks of that paper there back in the day, some some good wrestlers had it. Yeah, but you know, now that you say that, I'm uh, Mike Sharp. Right. Uh, you know. Uh, Big old boy, but Tom not too Branch. exciting. Yeah, like it was... Uh, yeah, I see that. Not not quite. It was a belt. I guess you were the champion, but it seemed to be used uh, as a passport to the bottom or right. passport out, a ticket out. Yeah. And every now I see Lawler may have had it once just maybe to pump it back up or something. Yeah. Jimmy Jack Funk, not taking anything away from these guys, but um, yeah, boy, Tony had to run with it. So, right. okay. so th- th- what that said was true. It, yeah. it was the kiss of death. I can't recognize some of the Lone Star, Tommy Capone, Mike Woods, L.A. player. They don't, well, these, this was much later, but why well, I wouldn't know him. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like the premier. No. You weren't going to fight the world champion when he came into Right, town. it wasn't the Southern belt. No. When you were booking, did you uh, kind of reserve that as, Something that weren't wasn't going to go. Not that you weren't trying to book, right? Draw money, but uh, it was yeah. an afterthought. Yeah, you did the best you could with what you had. And, and if Dutch hadn't really brought it up <laughs> that day, just driving down the road, meeting him in the car, you that that damn mid America belt's a kiss of death, and that was a kind of a joke. You know, I, I think looking back through the history, uh, it, I think Dutch was right. It was justified in, in maybe coming up with right. That. All right. Well, we were just talking about Dutch Mantel and him coming up with that opinion on the Mid-America belt's value. You said you had some interesting road stories with Dutch. Well, let me think of one that's, because uh, I think... A shareable? Uh, yeah, shareable <laughs> with the audience and the female population. Yeah. Well, he does have an entertaining way of, of telling stories. Right, and, and he's... He's very funny, and if you've been around Dutch, he, he, he'll, he'll keep you laughing, but I mean, what the hell, let me think of a nice story we can tell. Ask me another question, and I'll be thinking. Um, well, uh, we were talking about Chris Colt. Another interesting character was uh, Apocalypse. Ooh, Mike Boyette. Yes. He was Chris's marijuana pill buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, them together did more man of water pills than Nick Lewis would say <laughs> than anybody I know. But no, they were they were they were two ca- characters. But back in the good old days, there was a lot of characters in the business. I mean, the, the, today they give themselves silly names, but it's just a different apocalypse. You know, as a, a hippie boy, Mike Boyette. Mike Boyette. That was you know I was going back. I got to work with him in Florida, and he had already done the Bill Watts. 100 losses and you know that character but going back i didn't know much going back to los angeles in his earlier day he was a big deal at that time he was drawing yeah back in those days and it seemed like when he came this way he never quite you know he was a little lost little yeah i didn't quite understand his brain was more fried by the time he got here but he was still recognizable name but he shows up in memphis and i didn't even recognize well that character who the hell he was? Was that a step away from the hippie boy yet for a reason? Or well, that, you came in as a popular set, yep. right? That's when yep. that movie was hot. Remember okay. the movie? So Lawler was the booker. What did Lawler like to do? 
made him a comic book character, yeah, yeah a movie comic character. Book character. So uh, now he went probably one Mike's idea. No, from that to Apocalypse. You know, and uh, actually, I remember Mike had a uh, judo background, or yeah, kind of fit he, into that character, so it was a work. Yeah. You know, he would fight you in a heartbeat too, and it, but the marijuana pills got him in there. <laughs> got him in trouble. Him, him, him and Chris Colton with the heavy boy head. Yeah, funny, funny boy, Chris Colton too. They did too many marijuana pills. Well, you know, looking through this list of Mid-America champions, uh, Dirty Rose was a... Rip-off of Dusty. Absolutely. Well, there were a lot of kind of rip-offs or, or, or nods to other characters right. that seemed in Memphis. It, that was okay. We, uh, we do that here. Yeah. We, you took some, yeah, some, some yeah. creative licensing with right. some things. Um, but he could work. Yeah. I mean, he was a good worker. And uh, tried to carry a tune. He played guitar every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Um, him and who ended up being Hillbilly Jim were running as a tag team. Y'all had... Was he uh, Harley? Harley Davidson. Yeah, that was it. And Dirty and Him and Rose were yeah. tag team. They certainly were. I went, Bruce Swayze called me to come up to his work at place in Franklin, Kentucky, five or six years before. He said, I got a big old boy up here you need to look at. So, do you know Bruce Swayze, who I'm yeah. talking about? Another character. Way ahead of his time on characters. So, anyway, I go up there to see him, and here's this. Big old boy with a beard. What are we going to do with him? So anyway, you know how the law gets to look at him. So while well, I figured out a way, bring him in, we call him Harley Davidson, and I'll beat him. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's a kind of, a monster and I'll beat him. That's the yeah, important right, part. That, that's the important part, yeah. You just change the names. Yeah. How, how did, what about Mike Sharp? Like I said, he didn't seem I, to fit this. I didn't really know Mike Sharp par se. I mean, I was around him, big, strong. Canadian, uh, Canada's strongest athlete. Right, <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> he was... and, but he was, he kind of worked like his personality, slow and deliberate, so. Which never did catch on for me. No, though. never right, catched on here, uh, you no. Know. But and, uh, he was a good guy. And in Watts Mid-South, he was always a staple mid-carter, you know, right. solid. But yeah. Solid, that's the word I was looking for, thank you. Yeah, and uh, what was the uh, idea behind some of the uh, 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 Kabuki, when the Kabuki came in? How did you like fitting that into your booking? Well, he was Kabuki, I mean, he came in as Kabuki. Right. So I mean, you, when the build-up was this martial arts expert, oh, you know how it was, Kabuki. And in Japan, that means something, big, big time thing, Kabuki. But over here... He seemed to be able to milk that more in other territories than Memphis. I mean, you came in, you worked it, and you went on, it was time to move yeah. on to something else. Y'all didn't let anything get stale No, that was not working. We, we, and y'all would drop something real quick. Yeah. It wasn't working. <laughs> it wasn't working. <laughs> Wait a minute, like, I'm the only person that was following that feud, but y'all aren't going to give me the, the ending to it. And yeah. Um, now, was it just lazy booking when y'all pulled out a, a a ninja here or there? Well, sometimes you'd run out of bodies and talent, <laughs> so you had to, you know what I mean? You'd, yeah, I guess you could have kind of put it that way. Never thought of it, calling it that, but yeah, I guess you could 
say it was a little lazy booking, but you, you had to come up with something. You know this territory, whether yeah. it was it run through people like water through a, a damn pipe. It was. You could have a consistency, but not have the right. same guy. But right. I remember one night in uh, Cleveland or Clarksdale, Mississippi, uh, Bobby Fulton was in, and uh, you know he would get excited sometimes, and he was on in the main event. But uh, on an earlier match, we had a ninja, and he wanted to go out as a ninja, so that was pretty cool. The fans didn't know they had Bobby Fulton in there, and he was just having fun. Ninja, you know, he yeah. got to play a heel, so yeah. he was just having fun. So then I always wondered who was, by, you know, he was so interchangeable, you never knew who was there. And as a kid, you were trying to figure out who the masked guy was, but right. you were out of luck on something like the ninja because uh, you were never going to get a clue because y'all might have swap the guy during yeah. the show or something out. Right. You, know. you never know what was going on. I worked in a mask a couple of times too. And, and any particular name or just a fill in or trying something or? No, when you did the hill matches, they didn't want you to go at ball head. Oh, okay. So a couple of weeks after that to the major wear a mask. But you didn't go out as a non-build on the mask wearer? No, no. Yeah, you didn't. I just, I never really wore it. Was uh, I don't say about the say of this right? Costia Kachinko, eighty four. You know that may have been when you were in, in Mid South. I won't I won't blame that on you or owe that to you. You did have uh, a boat of the witch doctor, kind of a Kamala wild man ripoff. Yeah, I remember him? Yeah, boat of the witch doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know where the Mid America belt ended up, or the Southern any of these belts ended? I think Lawler's got some down on Bill Street, but. Yeah, the the king probably ended up with them all went all closed down and went away. Yeah, I have no, I'm I don't know what ones I have. Did anybody uh, of memory other than maybe the snowman controversy uh, run off with a belt and of value or try to hold it hostage or? Well, Billy Robinson left. We won the uh, world belt that Lawler had made. And Jerry Jarrett kind of told him, he said, Robinson, did you win that belt? And Billy said, yeah, I won it. And he said, well, aren't you going back to Canada for a little while? So words to that effect, wherever Billy went after he, he said, yeah. He said, well, take that fucking belt with you. <laughs> so Billy left with the belt. We never saw it again. Well, yeah. So hey. when, when Lawler <laughs> told Jarrett, he said, hey, that damn Robertson run off with a belt. He said, I know where he is. He's in Calgary. Go up there and get it off it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right, okay. So <laughs> He didn't take nothing that Jared didn't tell him to take with him. No, uh, that was the... the you know, I don't, I don't believe too many... Joke. Nobody was going to uh, volunteer to go up to Calgary no. to, to get it back. Yeah. No. Now, uh, in 79... Of course, the AWA and NWA champions had come in and Lawler had taken shots, but it seems like Jarrett just decided he's going to elevate and CWA world heavyweight champion. Started out with Thunderbolt Patterson, which for me is a odd choice, and it didn't seem to lack him. He was a phantom tournament winner over Mark Lewin in Melbourne, Australia. So I, can't, I don't know that I can find somebody who was actually there. But he shows up in Memphis as the CWA World Heavyweight Champion and didn't last long. 
Maybe because of Thunderbolt's working relationship, I don't know. But uh, I, that was all Lawler's idea. So I never and I that what year was that? Seventy nine. So yeah. I've been here four four years, seventy five. Now you you Pat McGinnis was the next champion, and you say he was legit. Oh, tough he was guy. legit strong. Big, strong bastard, legit 500-pound bench press. Yeah, he my, was a weightlifter. My memories of him were more of a tag team, but I guess you were going to have a world champion. Nobody was going right. to jock him around there. See, that was Lawler's belt. He, he. Now, my memory, and it made sense to me, was also in Superstar Billy Graham. You were getting him off his New York run as world right. champion and gave it credibility. Credibility, so that right. made sense. Why Bolt got it, I have no idea. Yeah. I have no, nobody came to me back then. And from, from then on, it took a, a, a different approach. Um, of course, Lawler got it. but that, this that is was, a, All the approaches was to end up a lot. Sure. So that's where it was going. The records are sketchy, but Lawler gets it from Graham and is vacated after a match with you, but it doesn't conclude that you took it from Lawler. But uh, Billy Robinson shows up with it, and then you take it from Billy Robinson. But and that was that was kind of sketchy in the records. I don't. Do you remember of? Uh, you just you just know you got you you got a three count on Billy, huh? Yeah, and we didn't really think this was going anywhere. All right. You know, I never looked at it like it was a real world belt technically. And Lawler had it made for Lawler. Well, everybody had a mace. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Right, right. The boys didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, if you can't have a war. Lawler was ahead of his time because that's what everybody does now. Right. You want to be right. a champion, you just oh, yeah, buy your just belt. Make so. your own belt. I, I get you. Yeah. <laughs> well, he had some some credibility to. Maybe not. Um, well, yeah, I mean, he wrestled up all the other champions. And, and you know, but. Uh, Throwing Billy in there would, you know, give it credibility on that level. Oh, yeah. A world championship. <laughs> and as long as he wanted it, it would give it credibility. Now, it uh, goes from Billy to you to Billy to Austin Idol. Tell me that Billy left. I don't remember. Did he? He didn't lose no, to Austin no, Idol. No, he didn't drop to Austin Idol. No, 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 no. So that, that, that's... The, this whole, see, here's the thing. When you see Austin Idol, he talks and he had a hell of a body. So, you know what I mean? Was he the greatest worker in the world? No. But looking at him... I mean, uh, I know it's all a, a business, but I, I can't see... And I can't see Billy Robinson... Um, dropping at the idol? Coming to terms with... I don't remember that either. The only way I remember about that belt was when Jerry Jarrett told Robinson, you come back to Canada? He said, yeah, take that belt with Well, it, I, and, and maybe they ran without the belt when, when Billy left. It was very shortly Dory Funk Jr. showed up as it, and then it just kind of was ignored again. Let's don't talk about it anymore. We built it up to be a world title for yeah. a couple of years, but now we're just going to go away. But... um. I mean, with uh, Graham and, and, and Dory Funk Jr. and Billy, I mean, there was a, an effort to elevate it or make it mean right. something, but they couldn't carry it off. I mean, it, it was world champion of Memphis, just doesn't quite right. carry too far. You know? 
Um, but that was the attempt at, at taking what you couldn't get somewhere else, I yeah. guess. But now you said that it didn't mean a world title to you and all, and I understand. I may not get you to. You may not feel that way, but I may probably won't get you to admit it if you did for one second. Over the years, I, knowing that you didn't grow up as a fan, and it was a job and a business from the start, and the belts didn't mean anything. Well, it, it, but did you have some type of professional pride that at least? Well, I know at least if you were probably the Southern Heavyweight Champion, you were on top, you were drawing money, you getting paid. Right. But was there something in you that at some point, well, I achieved this so that, not that you're the world champion, but that I, I've achieved a certain level in my, in my professional career. Didn't, you're never going to give me that. It never meant nothing to you, did it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't quite get what you're asking. I know how I got over, and I knew if I get here, I'll, I'm cuter than most guys, I will get over. So I never really had to worry about them other things. The I talked to guys like today, from day one. But but guys that, that you can talk to will grow up as a fan at ringside, um, end up being in the business, and it you can see how it would mean a little bit different if the belt that they were a fan of and growing up and they get it, that they have a mark out moment even while they're winning that belt, that wow, I was a ten year old kid and here I am. Right. I don't see that you could have had a mark out moment for one second in their career. Right, but I never saw that belt with me growing up. I was wrestling for it the first time I saw it. Right. So so it was all kind of, when you come halfway across the world, here you are. That's the biggest accomplishment in itself. And if they think enough of you put the belt on you, that is another. And I guess the people who uh, last and make a, a a long-term career out of it, it's about the paycheck anyway. I mean, that sounds, right. to a fan, that sounds like like it takes something away, but that's what it is. Anybody who yeah. has longevity, it had to be a business to them. It was a business. Yeah, exactly. Um, and here is the other thing. I mean, kings are kings and superstars are superstars, but I knew the king was this much above the superstar, and I never tried to change that. Yeah. Been here 40 years. You, you do understand that if I go out and talk to a handful of fans, that they would be disappointed that if it didn't mean something to you that, say, the day you and Lala won the AW World Tag Team belt, it would take away a little bit from... Right, and I understand what you're saying. So I would, if they were sitting here, I would answer it different. What it meant to me and Lala winning the... Hey, we're going up the When we got there, we thought, fuck this, we don't want to be here. It's cold. He's an old grumpy bastard. So here, take your belts back. And, you know, it's disappointing to hear the different stories from the guys is, oh, shit, I got the belt. Now I got to carry it around, keep up with it, right. protect it, go to the airport. It's that's, another prop to carry. Another you know? prop to carry, yeah. And I, uh, I an inconvenience. That, that, right. I looked at it that way. Well, let me be a little sad about that. <laughs> okay. okay. Right, but I understand. Get this one. Most guys don't get to wrestle the Billy Robinsons, the Tony Charleses, the Adrian streets as wrestlers and it didn't matter what belt you had you was just in there so you know Tony Charles and I could do the match with Tony because I grew up in that type wrestling Billy Robinson but there was very few guys in Memphis could work the wrestling matches with them because they didn't know how 
well, I'm going I'm to try to cut in on that and get you somewhere else. Well, at least when you were standing across the ring from Tony Charles or Billy Robertson, did you have at least a different feeling or a pride knowing that you were could right could Hold stay in there with him? Yes, or you were in there with somebody that you respected that quality right, of? Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they were wrestlers and... Like, not that the pay was going to be any difference, but the right. personal re- job respect yeah. was going to be a little different than if you were right. Joe Schmo from and, and Arkansas, you know. But the same thing was still with me, too. If I fuck up and they want to go home, they go home just when they feel like it. Yeah, right. Uh, little, yeah. Little, little insecurity right. there. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you have, you have not in control. A smidge of insecurity. If I do anything wrong here. This is all she wrote. <laughs> yeah, they can they can finish it how they want to right. if, they, if they want a different one. Anyhow they want. And they're not them kind of guys. Though. I mean, Robinson was as tough as he was. He was a nice guy. I mean, well, say. whether the CWA World Title uh, had longevity and lasting respect or whatever, it was just a belt. Lava belt. Uh, was there not some personal pride that? You could have a match with Billy, make it all make sense, and yeah. do that. Be involved in that level of a, a match. Right. Yeah. But with, even with, if the, there was no belt, the level of the match. Would oh, still absolutely. Be the same. Absolutely. That you were in there with somebody right. that you Billy respected Robinson. of that caliber. Right. I mean. Did I have a lot of respect for Billy Robinson? Yes, I did. And I think that made the difference. Right. Tony know. Charles, same thing. Adrian Street. I mean, when his gimmick was nothing like the Adrian Street. That was right. a gimmick. <laughs> the real Adrian Street was like Billy Robertson and Tony Charles. So it, it was just, and I grew up on that in Australia, that's how they wrestled in them clubs over there. So Barnes and me learned to, you know, work kind of stiff and wrestling holds and all the things that go with being a professional wrestling back in the mid 60s to now. And it had had to be a different, completely different feeling than working with guys that were drawing but couldn't work, and you had to right not carry them or make something out of it or make it make sense. And I hate to keep using poor Hanson for the thing, but I mean, working with Billy Robertson, working with Hanson and Jim, two entirely different things. Work a little harder, huh? Yeah, I mean, Billy, you knew you was in for a wrestling lesson. Even though we're still working, we're not trying to kill one another. It was a little rougher. Now I have seen you in there against guys, uh, uh, maybe of this generation. I'm sure there was, but maybe not. But of this generation that maybe didn't have all the skills that they should have. You make a match, make sense out of it, but it has to be on your mind. To you're having to put a little bit more different kind of effort into yeah. it, but you still make it entertaining and right. everybody go home safe. That's right. the main thing. To piss you off sometimes, though? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it would be like... Like a... Well, well no different than Billy Robertson or, or Tony Charles or even Street taking the gimmick away, not being that... I'm talking a Street, the rest of this. Well, you go go put him over. Billy Robertson should have been the world's champion forever if he wanted to be. See what I'm saying? So, like, Ross tonight... If, if you want to draw money with Idol, you go get him over. Well, that that that's a good point. Did you uh, 
was it a uh, you were going to get paid no matter what day right. or night. So you go out and, and, and do whatever the job entails. Right. Whatever Jerry Jarrett's vision is, you may not agree with it, but you want to get paid. Right. And you want to be paid next week. The personal pride was also protecting your longevity. You didn't want to go out there and be look no. like a goof and lose to somebody that didn't and, make sense. And wasn't going to. And it killed the business. I mean, it right. killed the whole idea of it. Um, okay. But he never brought guys in that really couldn't hold up their end technically. So it never was about uh, losing or he's a tougher guy or coming across like that. It was protecting no, the business. you being able to, and you being able to do business of value. Right. That's the thing, doing business. Because if you do something goofy that's not going to make sense, I'm not going to keep buying a ticket to see Bill Dundee right. if I'm, it's not believable and makes right. sense. And, and I think the people like Bill Dundee and they believe in the little devil. So, and it was a good built, built-in gimmick. I was always the smallest. And that could uh, uh, make you the hero if right. you were a good guy and could make you the smart-ass heel either way. You could work it either way. Right. Depends on how you said it. Yeah. All right, for all you chicken breeders out there, if you're looking for new chicken coops, you call Chicken Partners at telephone 336-391-9773, and you will get a hell of a deal, and you'll get 10% off and tell them the superstar told you to call. We're talking about... um people being so on it didn't matter lose or win you were there to do a job and you were there to get the, the, a paycheck at the end of the night right either but you never wanted to do anything that would take away from your worth or your credibility which meant your pay would change so it was right. all about about protecting your, your worth um we're talking about lawler maybe lose the belt but you knew it may not even be of anybody of stature but because he's always going to get that victory back right it was he was always going to we're talking about you could lose and be just as popular the next day. You didn't have to keep score. Right. And that seemed to be a talent that some had and some didn't. Yeah, that, that's kind of like in the good old days. Everybody wanted Dale Earnhardt to win the race. But if he came in second, he was more disappointed than the fans were. Well, second is only the first last guy he used to say, which is technically true. But... It's still freaking second. There are 36 cars going around there at 200 miles an hour. And it's the same with the rest of them. I mean, I try, folks. I give my all. Because, yeah, the little son of a gun try. You know, if Tony Charles or Billy Robinson can't see them working, especially this territory, because of their ability. I mean, if you beat him and keep beat, I mean, he can't give up that, that win, it seems. Right. Know, and come back from it. Yeah, they're in a different class. They're premier wrestlers, and that's what they do. So you don't bring them in to keep them here. You bring them in for boost your territory, boost the guy they're working with. They go off, they come back. You know, it was a business. And they knew what their job was in the business. Well, uh, with a a world title or a Billy Robinson or or something like that, a gimmick, it seems like Memphis has a special... Knack for other territories did too, but taking a, a boy Tony or a plowboy Fraser or a lone ranger number two type thing, goofy as hell, but making money out of it. Right. I mean, well, they had one of the 
smart as guys that doing that sitting up in the hill thinking about Jerry Jerry. So I mean, this since I got here in 1975, Nick Goulis was technically the promoter. Him and Jarrett were supposed to be partners. About 77, Nick screwed Jarrett. Jarrett, Jarrett broke away, and off we went by Jerry Jarrett Promotions, and Lolly got involved in the promotion. So, Jarrett, smart individual. How he looks at things, how he sees people, how he did, and he, life is very baby faces. Him. But he's really a heel at, at heart, so. <laughs> Uh, that, that is, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But he's a very smart, intelligent guy when it comes to professional wrestling. He built this, ter this territory since I came here in 75. When he got it away from Nick Goulas, he controlled it and everybody made a good living and made money. You know, uh, Christmas Creature or Frankenstein or Freddy or all that stuff? Um, yeah, of course. But. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. It seemed to take away, in my mind, from the legitimacy of the believability, but it seemed to work. He could get away with it because it was in and out. Right. You, you kind of allowed for it. Um, nobody kept Freddie around for for long term to, to carry the belt. You know, maybe, no. you know something goofy for one week and uh, an attraction. It was a monster, and yeah. and, and he, he did it when Freddie was hot on the on the movies. Yeah, you piggyback off of right. whatever was going on. And Christmas was Christmas, and we had Santa Claus, and we had a Christmas creature. I mean, yeah. And all kind of tied in. Well, uh, you do admit that it might be challenging. Would it be challenging for you to go out there and have a, a, a put butts in the seat promo about going against a, a Christmas tree or, or, you know... But Glenn Jacobs was the Christmas creature for, for two or three of them. Yeah. So that was a monster. Absolutely. So in your mind, you, to, to the people, well, this is just a guy in a Christmas outfit, but, but to the guy wrestling him, he knew who he was. Yeah. Glenn Jacobs, big old boy. So, you, yeah, I don't really think you, you look at it that way. It's just, that's the Christmas creature. And this is what we're doing, and that's what we did. So it never took away in your mind of going out there and uh, no battling somebody with a you know Texas chainsaw mask you know no anything you just because most of the time the guy was legit under the mask. Did uh, did you have anything to do with uh, all of Tony Falk's personality changes? Jared <laughs> mainly boy Tony and all that thing, but them. Boy George, it wasn't like somebody was just coming up with Boy Tony. There was a freaking guy making millions of dollars singing as Boy George. You know, and, and he seemed to work on some level because it was like, here comes poor Tony Falking. He's trying again. He's taking another approach, right. another gift. You know, he keeps uh, consistently trying. It's not going to work, but he, it's almost endearing, you know. Right. What's and he come he up with now? Job. Yeah, exactly. But that, that was Jared or the Booker or whoever... Boy Tony, too. I mean, Boy George, one of the hottest singers in the world we had over Boy Tony, uh, and it got over. I, I, I'm losing track now, but uh, someone was telling a story the other day, maybe a common experience, that the ring didn't show up, they set the mats up, and they 
It was Tommy Rich. Tommy Rich was talking about the ring didn't show up one night, and uh, they carried off the whole show. They had no choice or to cancel um, without the ring. Yeah, that was Madisonville, Kentucky. And I'm going there. Didn't you tell me I was booked there somewhere? Uh, it was soon. Yeah, you're, soon. you're heading in that We're direction. Going back there. Whether the ring will show up. <laughs> so, yeah, and it was funny. Christine Jarrett was there. Sold out. People hanging off the friggin' raft. So. Rich said that he actually caught himself going like he was going off the rope that did yeah, not exist yeah, and yeah. coming off, you know, it was yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. built in him, you know. Yeah, yeah. you'd run across the ring or do the, yeah. And that we went out and asked the people, do you all want to go home or do you want to see this show on mats on the floor? No, we'll do the mats. Yeah, it's probably challenging, but pull it off right, and everybody yeah. still gets paid and everybody enjoys it, so. You couldn't do crisscross spots, that was a little, <laughs> But yeah, the people didn't seem like they enjoyed it. No. I won't mention the guys. We're talking about people who uh, um, always don't make it to the higher levels, but um, the familiar faces that will, uh, whether they put up the ring, referee, and step in and you know, wrestle sometimes, put up posters, um, and they become valuable. On right. some level, because they are interchangeable and they uh, don't have an attitude about doing whatever's needed, um, and and they just want to be a part of the wrestling business. Right. I just have to believe that uh, if you and Lawler uh, showed up at a town and they were short of referee, unless it was a a gimmicky, funny thing, nobody was going to ask y'all to do that or put the chairs out or you now, weren't going to show up and sweep just so you could get in and strike no, and be the superstar. We were technically the king and the superstar and we be believed we was and they didn't put rings on. So that is technically the, uh, I think how you looked at it back in the day. That, and I understand you attain a certain right. level and, and position, but on the other side, somebody could say it looks, seems a little, little nose in there, you know. Yeah, and um, technically, but that, that's how it was. I mean, Elvis didn't run, run his he didn't stop mic popcorn. cords and <laughs> sell popcorn. He came out and sang and did his thing, and we went out and wrestled, did our thing. Yeah, I understand that part. And I have to say, on, on from several different aspects, Jerry the King Lawler and Superstar Bill Nundy, from... from my involvement, I believe both of you are um, very secure and very much enjoy being the king and the superstar. Right. No doubt about it. And here's the other thing I think I've told you before and I have said it to other people. I know kings that are two doctors above a superstar and I never tried to get there because I'd rather be the superstar on the second rung from the top then the guy on the bottom ought to be gone. And that's what would happen to you if you tried to dethrone the king in a not a nice way. Fair enough. Thanks. Bye.